the topics I don't get to preach often, and, and Pastor John so graciously gave me the opportunity. And uh, God, just in the last couple of months, has been laying just very heavy this, this topic on my heart. And, and, uh, and I, I really believe that it's going to be an encouragement for some people today. And uh, my goal, uh, Lord willing, uh, is to kind of just every, every now and then when I get to, when I get to preach, uh, maybe revisit it, and uh, I don't know if I necessarily, necessarily consider it a series per se because it's chopped up, but, you know, if I'm here and I, and I visit it from time to time, you know, now you kind of know, and, and, uh, and, and the topic that God's laid on my heart is uh, really just to be able to offer encouragement for disappointment. Um, I just believe God wants to do that today because Disappointment is something that I don't believe gets uh, spoken about a whole lot or as much as it should uh, in the church. I believe we talk a lot about uh, things rightfully so, such as worship and, and sin and, and uh, even practical things such as marriage and parenting and everything else. And uh, we, even, we even really just preach a lot to, for tragedy. And, uh, and again, rightfully so, those things should happen. But I also believe that there is um, one of the things that we all have in common here is that each and every one of us in some way, shape, form, or fashion on some level uh, deals with some level of disappointment every single day. Uh, it could be a, something as simple as, uh, as locking your keys in your car, uh, as I did a couple days ago. Hello, right? Uh, it, it could be something maybe a little bit more. Maybe, maybe there's a, a, a relationship in your life that, um, that constantly disappoints you and, or, a, or, or, or a lack of promotion in areas and constantly disappoints you and God just laid this on my heart to begin to share, and, and uh, so uh, because disappointment is such a broad, broad area, um, as long as God allows me, uh, I'm going to begin to kind of break it up into chunks, and we're going to begin to look at the life of probably one of my favorite people named Joseph, and um, the, one of the themes of his life was just disappointment over and over and over and over again, whether it was people, whether it was God's timing, uh, whether it was unfair and unjust situations. He just dealt with a lot of disappointment. And at the end of his life, we see this beautiful picture of how God just ties everything together and works all for God's good. And, and, uh, and, it's, and it's incredible. And, you know, Joseph has that aha moment. I get why all this disappointment's happened in my life, God, because you're setting me up for this. And uh, so I just want to begin this series, uh, so to speak, if you want to call it that, uh, just on dealing with disappointment. And the chunk that we're going to deal with today is uh, dealing with your destiny and, and dealing with the disappointment of your destiny. And you may be saying, well, Drew, why, I, why would my destiny be disappointing? Well, we're going to look at that. And so let's start at Genesis chapter 37, starting in verse 1. This is what it said. It says, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. And this is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the son of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about him. Now Israel, who's also Jacob, loved Joseph more than any, any other of his sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made him an ornate or robe for him. We also maybe have referred to it in Sunday school as a coat of many colors. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. And Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. And he said to them, listen to this dream I have. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. It's a way to earn respect, buddy. Good job. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him. I bet he did. And said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in hand. Father God, right now, as I just prepare to speak about the disappointment of your destiny and the disappointment of dreams, God, I just pray more than anything, God, you would use me in my words. I prepared the best that I can. God, I prayed the best that I can. And, but God, I just know it's all pointless if you don't show up and open up hearts, God. And I just pray right now that you would speak through me, God, allow me to speak clearly. 
I'm, I'm full with what you've shown me, but I want to be able to communicate it clearly. I just ask that you would allow me to do that in your name. And I pray you would give every gift, every ounce of the glory in your name. Amen. For those of us who are married or maybe at least uh, seriously dating someone, uh, what would you say if I were to ask you, and you can answer this out loud, I might would encourage you not to, right? If you, wanna, uh, if you want to be able to ride home today. Uh, but hey, it's up to you. If you want to be a risk taker, go for it. Uh, but what would you say is your spouse's or significant other's um, most deep personal uh, personality flaw? What is it? Uh, I'm not talking about little quirks here and there or whatever. Uh, I'm talking about that personality flaw that you just look at your spouse or, or significant other if you're dating and you say, you know what, there's no way I'm fixing you. That, that, that is your crazy spot, and I'm just going to let you kind of stay there for a little bit while I go over here to, to, to normal land. Right, you know, I mean, maybe you, you've actually looked at your spouse or whatever, and and uh, and you've said, you know, I'm a, I'm I'm gonna leave you to you crazy right now, and I'm gonna go over here where it's nice and peaceful. You know what I mean? And uh, you know, now I am the rare breed uh, in the fact that you know I thought to myself, well, you know, may, maybe I should share my deep personality flaw, but I can't find one. Holla, right? <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> I can't, and uh, it's also because my spouse isn't speaking on this, and so she don't get to share, so ha <laughs> ha, right? Um, what you don't know is literally about two minutes before I walked up on stage, she looked at me, and she goes, what stories are you sharing? Are they about me? And I was like, no comment. She goes, they are about me, and I'm like, no comment, baby, just know I love you. I love you. And, uh, but yes, let me just tell you my spouse's deepest personality flaw. Uh, I'm going there. And uh, even if she don't want me to ride back with her home, that's cool because I got a missionary lunch after church. You'll give her time to cool off. And I drove myself. Ha-ha! So I'm good. I'm good. But my wife's deepest personality flaw is that she has, uh, if she knows that she has something coming up to look forward to, she has absolutely zero I mean, I'm talking about like, let, let's don't even say zero. Let's, let's go into the negatives, uh, patience, while she's waiting uh, on that particular thing that she looks forward to. And don't get me wrong. Hey, I love looking forward to stuff just like the next person, whether it's a holiday, whether it's a date night, uh, whether it's a vacation, whether it's, uh, you know, bonus or whatever. I get it. I get excited too. But again, she takes what, what, what normal people would think is just exciting, and it turns into this absolute crazy obsession, and uh, she drives me nuts with it, right? Because me trying to, 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 to actually surprise her with something, I can't do it. And her crazy in this one area, right, um, is directly proportional to, uh, to the size of the thing that she's waiting for, right? So, uh, so if it is just a date night, maybe we're going to go out and do something nice or whatever, you know, I might only hear about 25 times during the week and about 25 times a day of, you know, I'm so excited. I can't wait. When are you going to pick me up? You know, what are we going to do? What time are we going here? What time are we doing this? What time's the movie? What time are we leaving or whatever? And I'll answer it probably about two or three times. And literally, I'm almost at the point, I'm just going to start recording myself so that way when she ask again, I'm able to just hit the button, right? You know, uh, but that's, that, that's, that's mild. That is mild. Um, if it's something that's really big, oh my gosh, uh, man. Uh, let me just give you an example because I know you want one, right? Uh, <laughs> right? Um, I love you, right? Um, when Kim and I, and, and I'll be honest, okay, it's my fault, right? Um, but we, Kim and I were dating, and we knew pretty quickly that God uh, uh, had, had really kind of brought us together, that we were going to spend the rest of our lives with each other and everything else. So we were dating, and I made the mistake, and it wasn't my fault, but it, maybe it was, and I'll explain in a second. Uh, my wife knew that I had the engagement ring before I proposed. And let me tell you the story before you look at me and say, well, what'd you expect, dummy, right? Um, my wife... Uh, you know, her and I had gone a couple of times to look at some engagement rings, and then, uh, and then she told me one day, she goes, well, Drew, there's this uh, specific place that I want to go look with my mom. She goes, I'll never find it there. I just want to browse. It's called the Mart up in Atlanta. She goes, I just want to browse. Cool, right? She goes, I won't find the ring. Don't worry about it. Well, she goes that day, and I got the phone call. I mean, her in tears. I found the ring, right? And I'm like, 
great. You found it with my future mother-in-law instead of me. Yes. Awesome. But here was the problem as well, because it was at the mart, you had to know somebody at the mart to actually get into it, which means that I could not get into the mart by myself. I had to go with Kim to purchase the engagement ring. And so she knew I had it, and I'm going to be honest, I had something really special planned, y'all. Really special planned to, to propose to this girl that I want to spend the rest of my life, but it was about three months away from when I got the ring. Right? Okay, and before y'all sit there and say, well, what could be that special? We got engaged on live TV. What'd you do, huh? Right. <laughs> Woo! Right. One of these days, we're going to find that video, baby. All right, so for that three months, because she knew that something big was coming, I'm talking about she drove me nuts. I mean, you know, every time we would go out on a date, I'd say, hey, let's, let's just go grab dinner. She would look at me and she'd go, she would say, well, do I need to get, like, dressed up? You know, as in something may be happening or whatever. I'm like, no, baby, you can just dress down. She goes, you sure? I'm like, yeah, I'm sure, right? You know, if, if, uh, if, if we would say, you know, if I'd say, hey, you know, uh, let's go to a movie. We're going to a movie. She's digging through the popcorn or whatever to see if I've hidden a ring in there, right? You know, uh, if I bend over to tie my shoe, she's like, oh, this is it. This is it. I'm like, no, baby, I'm just tying my shoe. I love you. Just be patient, right? You know, and, uh, and it was, I mean, it just worked overdrive. I mean, just over and over and over and over and over again. And here's the funny part is that uh, I kind of get my revenge because my daughter is just like Kim. She can't wait for nothing. And so there are times that Maddie will drive us nuts, really Kim nuts with the whole are we there yet thing. And Kim will look at me and, she, and I know she's frustrated with something when she talks to me through her teeth. And she goes, Drew, talk to your daughter. And I look at her and I say, baby, she's just like you. This is fun for daddy. I say, I look at Maddie. I say, go get her, baby. Drive your mama nuts about when we get to Disney World. Let's go. <laughs> you know, isn't it funny? Because the thing that we do, the thing that I'm talking about with Kim right now, we do the same thing spiritually. We do. We have the hardest time waiting on God to provide and do the big things that he's promised us. We know that God has incredible plans in store for our future, for our lives, for our family, for our finances, for our health, for our relationships, for our loved ones, for our children. And maybe there are people here today that more than just a generic, God's got a plan for me, I believe it in my head. Maybe there are some specifically uh, uh, moments where God has given you a word or a vision or a dream or, or something and you just, or maybe just a sensation of nearness and knowing that God is going to do something big for you. He's got plans for you. He's got a destiny for you. And you know it's big. You can't even comprehend it, but you know God's good, and you didn't deserve it, but God in his goodness just kind of chose you to do something or to be something incredible for his kingdom and for his glory. And you know that you've got that promise, but just like my wife, you're struggling maybe a little bit. Maybe it's frustrating a little bit, because even though you came in here with the promise, you have not actually fulfilled and seen the promise fulfilled in your life. And I believe that there are a lot of people here that you're kind of in that frustrating in-between stage between the moment God gave you that incredible promise of an, of an incredible destiny that only he can provide, you're in between that moment and the actual fulfillment of that moment. And believe it or not, there's actually disappointment that comes in that moment. And you're saying, Drew, how in the world could something incredible uh, that God provides and a dream he gives to you, how could that be disappointing? Well, here's the truth. The dream itself isn't, good, uh, isn't disappointing. James teaches us that every good and perfect gift comes for our Father above. So the disappointment is not in the gift. The disappointment is not in the giver. The disappointment is in the in-between. The disappointment is in the as-we-wait on the fulfillment. That's where disappointment can come in, not in and of the dream itself, but in some of the byproducts that we deal with. Just like my wife had even though as excited as she was to know that at one point I'm going to ask her to marry me with this beautiful ring, those couple of months while she's waiting on the fulfillment of what she knows is going to happen, 
was at times frustrating and disappointing for her because we would go out on a weekend. And no, I wouldn't propose because I had something planned. And she was like, I really thought this was going to be it. Right? And I think we do some of the same things in our promises with God. And that's why the life of Joseph in this story that we see is so important for us because I believe God wants to encourage us in the story because just like us, God gave some incredible dreams and destiny to Joseph. Let's look at some of the things about how we know from the text. First of all, we know that Joseph held favor. Uh, the, the, the scripture that we read said, now Israel, talking about Jacob, which is Joseph's dad, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. Joseph wasn't the oldest son. Jo- Joseph wasn't even the second oldest son. Joseph was way on down the line, which meant that when it comes to who daddy likes best, he was way on down the line of the pecking order. But it said that Joseph was born to Israel when Israel was very old, so Joseph had a very special place in Jacob's heart. See, Joseph knew they had big things stored up for him because he just had favor, unmerited and undeserved. Said so he walked in truth. That's another reason that we know he has special destiny because he said, it's kind of an interesting thing. He said he brought their father a bad report about some of the practices that were going on with his brothers and uncles or whoever in the sheep. While I wouldn't necessarily recommend ratting out on family, that's not a great way to, you know, have, have conversation around the dinner table. You know what I mean? But... What it does say about Joseph is that he had a belief about himself that when he saw other people doing something that, he, that they shouldn't do, instead of just going with the flow, instead of just saying, oh, I'll just overlook it or whatever, he at least had the integrity to go and say something about it. Can I just tell you, people who truly believe that they are going someplace in this life aren't just going to look away when other things happen. They're going to walk counterculture to what we see in this world. We also know that God spoke to him in unique ways. Dreams about others and stars and moon bowing down. God also spoke to him about things he didn't speak to others. There's no record of God giving any of his other brothers dreams. They used to bother me. God, why, why would you just play favorite? Because if God will play favorite here, that means that maybe God will play favorite in my life right now. Maybe I'm not one of the favorites. But I'm going to tell you the thing I learned about special dreams and special destinies that God gives is that with those special dreams and special destinies, you know, with great power comes great responsibility, Spider-Man, you know what I mean? Right? And all of a sudden, you find yourself with this incredible destiny, but with it is a journey that nobody else can walk with you. God takes you through a process that all the time isn't fun. But also, God gave him a special assignment. Have you ever looked at this and wondered why two dreams? Why didn't God just take one dream and have the sheaves of grain bowing down to Joseph as well as the stars and the moon? Why not just one? Why do you have to have two separate dreams? And I began to research it and find out why. And here's what I found is that God gave two dreams because God speaks through patterns and numbers. I don't know why I don't completely understand it, but God does. And and anytime you see the, the number two in the Bible, there's two specific things that God's trying to teach us when you see the number two. The one, the first thing is that anytime you see the number two, it's representative of being called out. It's a representative of being separated. It's a representative of of, of being set apart. And the example that you'll find is, you know, a man and a woman are set apart for marriage. It's just them. It's exclusive. The other thing is that you'll find number two is that when you see the number two, it's, it's also representative of a special assignment. You'll see that in the New Testament when Jesus Christ got his disciples and he empowered them to go out two by two into the surrounding villages and neighborhoods to, uh, to accomplish his work for the kingdom. So you see that number two, you see two dreams, and that's literally God saying, I've I've got a special assignment for you. I'm calling you out. The goal isn't to have your brothers bow down before you and your family bow down before you. That's not the goal. The goal is that I've got a special assignment for you, and I've got to call you out to do it. So we see these clues, and we see, you know what? Just like us, Joseph had a special destiny. But here comes some of the disappointment, the byproducts of having a special destiny. And I hope this would encourage you today. The first part is that the disappointment of destiny 
the first part of it, the discipline of destiny lies in the weight. It lies in the weight. Because even though God has spoken to him about his destiny, Joseph didn't just wake up the next morning and possess that destiny right away. If, you, if you're familiar with the story, maybe you're not, Joseph gets sold into slavery. Uh, uh, he gets rescued out of slavery. Um, he goes and he works at, the, at this house of a man named Potiphar, and he gets lied on by Potiphar's wife because Joseph wouldn't sleep with him with her behind Potiphar's back. And, and uh, so he gets lied on, and he gets thrown in prison, and, and he begins to... Um, interpret dreams in prison. Even though he would interpret dreams for other people, they would forget about him. So he's sitting in prison and, and he's rotting away. And finally he interprets another dream uh, for the Pharaoh about a famine coming and how, we, how they can prepare. And so Pharaoh actually promotes him to number two in the land, uh, right below Pharaoh. And, and for seven years, uh, Joseph uh, 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 takes the, 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 uh, the, the overflow of the grain that's being brought in and, and he stores it up so that way when the seven years of famine come and uh, the, the, the nation and the people of Egypt are ready. And, and after that happened, that's literally when we see that moment of Joseph's dreams come, and, uh, come true when his brothers and his fathers who don't recognize Joseph because they think that he's dead because they sold him into slavery because they were jealous of him, right? Uh, that, that's when they, they come down and say, look, we need some help. And Joseph reveals himself and you have this touchy moment where you realize it all comes together. Do you realize that from the time Joseph had the dream until the, jo until the time Joseph had that moment where his brothers and father come down and, and he helps them out for grain that 20 two years passed, according to most scholars. That is 22 years from the time Joseph was given the promise of the dream until he actually saw his fulfillment. That is a long wait. And there's some people in here who God has given you an incredible promise for your future, for your, for your future spouse, for the kind of godly home that you're going to that, that raise your family in, that you're supposed to be a generational curse breaker with God's help, that he's, he's placed some, some things over your life for finances, that he can show you favor there, again, not for your benefit, but for his glory. And, and you find yourself stuck because you know what God spoke, but you're just waiting. You don't see the fulfillment yet. Let me encourage you that we see Joseph right here Dealing with the disappointment of the weight. But I can tell you, from his story, let it be an example to our lives that even as we wait, God's working. We have to trust that God is doing what he said he was going to do. But the problem is right now, we live, we live in such an instant society. You realize that's one of the problems, right? Forget waiting 22 years for me, sometimes I have a problem waiting 22 minutes for something I believe God's going to do. We live in such an instant society that when we're hungry, we can instantly go and get fast food. Realize that? That, that when we want to watch a TV show, that all we have to do is have an internet connection and some sort of device, and we can instantly, with one click, pull up Netflix or Amazon Prime or whatever and watch completely whole seasons of shows Instantly. Forget waiting for week to week while the new show comes out. We'll just wait till the whole season comes out. We'll just binge watch it. Instant. You realize that for anything else that we need in our lives, such as whether it's clothes, whether it's uh, uh, housing items, whether it's food, tools, furniture, or whatever, that all we have to do is log into our Amazon Prime account, hit a click button, and nine times out of ten, that stuff will be on our doorstep the next day. That's how instant we is. And what about information? We can instantly look up information. This week, I was sitting around the table with my wife and my kids, and you know, you know how kids at the dinner table ask random questions, and you know, Maddie looked at me and she goes, Daddy, she goes, how many times do we breathe in a day? And I was able to go, oh baby, let me pull up my phone and look it up, right? And I was able to tell her, well, according to Google, uh, the average person breathes 23,000 uh, times a day. She goes, oh. Well, Davis, he's going to one upper. He says, okay, well, Daddy, how many times do you blink in a day? So I pull up Google, how many times do you blink in a day? On average, about 29,000. This next part, I'm not making up. I'm not making up. Then uh, Maddie goes, well, Daddy, how many words do you say in a day? And I looked it up, and on, and, uh, on average, the average man, American man, will speak 7,000 words a day, and the average woman will speak uh, 20,000 words a day. <laughs> Um, 
for any hate mail that you have because you're upset at Google, right? That's Pastor John at cc.com or whatever. You know, whatever they said on the on the announcement video, that's what I, that's, that's please send all your email to that. So it's Google, not me, right? But here's the truth is that we're so used to an instant society. Can I ask you a question when it comes to the things that you're waiting on, right? Instead of maybe asking God to instant and microwave your dreams, what if God gives you a crockpot for your dreams? I love me some crockpot cooking. You set it on in the morning, and by the afternoon or the evening, you got some good cooking. Because you got to wait for it. There's no TV dinner that can compare to it. And I believe that there are times that God offers, and we'll see why in a second, that when it comes to our dreams and the things that He's spoken over our destinies, He doesn't offer us a microwave. He offers us a crockpot. Can I just tell you, if I want some good barbecue, let me tell you where I'm going. I'm not going to my, uh, I'm not going to my grocery store and getting a, a good TV meal, a microwave meal, and pop it in the oven or, uh, or the microwave for five minutes, and I got my barbecue. Let me tell you what I'm going to do if I'm going to have some good barbecue. I'm going to call up my buddy Tim Self. I'm going to say, Tim, what you cooking today? He goes, well, I woke up about 7 o'clock in the morning. I put me a Boston butt on the smoker. It's going to be ready in about 10 hours. Y'all want to come over for dinner? Yes. Thank you for the invite. And I know that when I get there, that because I've been waiting for 10 hours, that stuff's been marinating. Oh, it's so good. Oh, it's so good. And I appreciate the future invite, Captain. You're the man. <laughs> you know, it's so funny because we laugh at that, but that's the truth is that God really and truly offers us the wait because he wants us to marinate a little bit on some of our dreams because he has some things that he's got to work out. The disappointment of our destinies lies in the mundane. You realize that after Joseph got his dream that he had to wake up the next day, and even though he had the euphoria of this dream, he had to absolutely wake up the next day, and he still had to go tend, tend sheep. Even though he was the dreamer, he, 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 dreamt so, he dreamt so much that literally his brothers looked at him and said, oh, there's the dreamer. That's what they used to describe him. But he had to wake up the next morning and still feed the sheep, water the sheep, do what his dad said, go help out his brothers, everything else. And I think there, there's a disappointment that happens sometimes when we realize that we'll have those moments that God speaks over our lives and we're undeserving and we say, God, thank you so much. Who am I that you would, that you would speak over my life that way? But then we wake up the next morning and we got to go to work. So, so for some people, you, God's spoken to you over your finances and, and, and how he's going to show favor, and that's phenomenal. But then you wake up the next morning, and sure enough, you get a bill in the mail. You're like, God, what is this? Some of you, have, God's spoken some incredible promises over your children about what he's going to do. And you wake up the next morning, and you still can't get them to get up to go to school. You're like, God, what is this? There's some single people that God has spoken to you about your spouse and, and, uh, and, and what kind of godly home that you're going to be raised in. But forget meeting somebody new. Forget meeting the one that's new or whatever. You're just struggling just to meet new people. And in two weeks from now, you'll celebrate another Singles Appreciation Day. You're like, what is this? What is this? Can, can I tell you that I think one of the disappointing things at times is is we have this euphoria and this high of God speaking over our lives, and we're like, yes. And we walk out the next day, and it's day to day and day in and day out, day in, day out, day in, day out. And that grind, that grind of life can take out that euphoria to the point that our feelings will start to lie to us and tell us, you know what, you don't really feel good right now. You don't feel anything. You sure that God spoke to you? You sure he's going to do something on, uh, in your life? You sure that he's going to come through, right? And we begin to play the games because our feelings tell us, because it's the day-to-day -day stuff, our feelings begin to tell us, no, nah, it can't be true. Can I just encourage somebody here that if you don't feel it, when God speaks over your life, he doesn't speak from emotion. He speaks from his character. And the things that he's spoken over your life, he wants faith from you, not your emotions. So whether you feel it or not, whether you're happy or sad, whether you sense that it's going to come true or you sense like he's a million miles away, the truth is, is that through the eyes and the lens of faith, we can overcome the disappointment of our dreams and the disappointment of, of the mundane day-in, day-out life. If we'll just say, God... Even though I don't feel it, your word 
trumps my feelings. And I'm going to trust you anyway. I believe there's some people here who need to hear that. You feel like God is far away, and just like a one-year-old who can't see their parents, all of a sudden you feel, well, I can't see them or feel them, so they must not be there, and they must not be true. And the truth is, that's not how God works. You know, there's also a disappointment in your destiny. It kind of lies in the process. You know, we talked about Joseph spent the next 22 years of his life going through a process before he was ready to fill his before he was ready to fulfill his dreams. Every single thing he went through in his life, God used to mold and make and shape uh, and shape him to the point that 22 years later, when he saw the fulfillment of his dreams, he was ready for it. One of our problems when it comes to believing what God is going to do in our lives is we see his process, but we don't understand his process. Because how God gets us ready is not how we would get us ready. And God will never give you a destiny or a dream without preparing you for it first. Because there is nothing worse than seeing someone get a gift that they do not have the maturity or the skill set to handle. Nothing worse. I was about nine or ten years old. It's Christmas at my dad's house. Big box. Opened it up. Wouldn't you know, it was the fat, nasty Nerf gun of all Nerf guns. I'm not talking about the little bitty darts, you know, that, 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 that they have now, which those are still cool, by the way, right? Especially when you and the kids get to gang up on mom. Love you, right? But I'm talking about it was one of those massive ones that like had like the styrofoam arrows about this big and you would put it in this like rotating thing and you would go, you'd pull it back and it'd shoot about 150 feet. You'd go, skadoosh, 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 right? And you literally felt like you were in like any, you know, any middle, medieval times movie that you've ever saw, you know, where they pull the arrows back and you hear somebody say, loose, and all of a sudden just comes this rain of fire for you. Like, it was that cool of a Nerf gun, right? And so I'm like, Yes, this is incredible. You know, I'm sitting there, I, I would just shoot out, right? But as soon as I open it, my dad, uh, uh, he, he had the wisdom to know that I wasn't mature enough to have a gun like that and not shoot my sister over and over and over again. <laughs> so he made the rule. And the rule was shoot it, shoot it wherever you want, but you can't shoot your sister. Because my dad knew that I did not have the maturity not to do this because he knew what I'd do. I would get that gun. If he didn't place the rule, I'd get the gun, and I would probably hide behind a corner. And as soon as my unsuspecting sister walks around, I'm going to be right there, skadoosh, boom, knock her out. Right? So he places the rule, and he goes, shoot it wherever you want. Here's the gift, but you're not ready to handle it, so let me give you rules. Can I just be honest with you? I would have, uh, in that moment, I would have rather have not been given the gift. Because if I can't do what I want to do with it, what's the point? What's the point of having a Nerf gun if you can't shoot those that you love? You can write that one down. <laughs> but I'll tell you how I found my way around it. I'm sorry, Dad, if you're watching this. Right? He didn't know. But what I would do is I would play a game with Jessica. And I would say, hey, let's play a game called Capture the Nerf Arrow. Right? Where you stand a ways away. I'm going to shoot it, and you try to catch it. And the thing that I knew, my sister was probably about five or six at that point, maybe a little bit younger, is that she didn't have the motor skills to catch it. So about, oh, about half the time, five, every, five, five out of every ten shots, she would miss her hand and hit her right in the face and still knock her out anyway, right? But yet I would not get in trouble because when she go cry to my dad, I said, Dad, I didn't shoot her. We were just playing a game. She kind of got in the way of it. And I never got in trouble. Ha! Take that, Dad. Take that. Mr. Steve and Ms. Melba, y'all don't tell my dad that, all right? You good? You don't tell my dad. Oh, they got that face that they don't tell, right? They hang out with my dad a lot. But you know what? We see that and we laugh about it because you're like, Drew, there's no way, you know, why, why would you get a gift if you weren't ready for it? Oh, but we want to do the same thing over bigger stuff that's more important. And the way God brings us through his process, the way that God truly gets us ready is through the circumstances of our life. Now, let me bring balance. I'm not talking about abusive circumstances. That's not what I'm talking about. But that job 
that you don't like that much because, you know, you don't like your coworkers and you don't really like the hours or whatever, you know, but you can't really find anything else. You know, if we really believe Romans 8.28, which says God works all things for the better and for our good, for those who love him and call it according to his good works, if we can mentally ascend to the fact that, you know what, I believe that nothing's wasted when it comes to God, why can't we see that a job like that God would use to make us ready for future things? That family member or that friend who drives you absolutely nuts because of their personality or, or this or whatever, could it be that's the very thing that God will use to mold you and shape you to where you can become more like Jesus, to where as we get to the point that we're more like Jesus, he can give us gifts because he can trust us with those gifts. Joseph could not have handled the fulfillment of his dreams a, six months to a year after he had the dream. He would have been too arrogant, he would have been too cocky, right? His brothers would have showed up and said, hey, I'm here to get some grain. He was, I bet you are, you sold me into slavery. Ha! He would have rubbed it in their face. But 22 years later, Joseph had a little bit of experience on him. Joseph had some time to think. He'd have time to see how the goodness of God could still come in no matter what your circumstances are. And, and when he saw the fulfillment of his dream 22, later, 22 years later, he didn't rub it in his brothers and family's faces. He realized that God was preserving their family and preserving the nation of Israel, which ultimately Jesus Christ would come from years later. God's going to bring you through a process, and you can, either, you can either buck it and fight it, or you can embrace it knowing that God's going to use it. Because he will not give you the gift until you're ready for it. Well, Drew, are you telling me that God will delay giving gifts to me? Yes, I am. Because let me tell you, years later, the Israelites wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years to get into the promised land because they did not have the maturity or the skill set to handle the promised land, even though it was only a couple days' journey. So he will. Because he loves you. Because if he gives you the gift now and you're not ready for it, if he allows you to fulfill your destiny now and you're not ready for it, to ruin you. The disappointment of destiny, I'm going to go through these quickly lies in the loneliness. Joseph told his brothers and they hated him. He also told his father about his dreams and was misunderstood. Be careful who you tell your dreams to because at best, you're probably gonna run into people who don't understand. Kind of midways, you're running into your friends who don't care and at worst, you're gonna run into friends who you tell your dreams to and because they're just better in their own lives, they're gonna hate you and they're gonna be jealous. And, and, and don't be mad at them because they're trying to work through their own disappointments of life too. So don't be mad at them. But just be very careful who you tell your dreams to. And, and usually the rule of thumb, if you've got one, maybe two people that you can tell your dreams to and your destinies and they celebrate with you in that moment, even though they're not benefiting from it, those usually are the friends that you can keep for life. But usually about 98% of the people that you come in contact with every single day Instead of telling them your dreams, live it out. Because if you tell them and they don't understand and they're jealous, all they're going to do is discourage you, which brings back more disappointment. Joseph told his brothers his dreams and they hated him and it caused even more problems for him. And there's a disappointment that lies in that because we're lonely. Who can we tell our dreams to? God's going to do something incredible in my life, but I don't have people to celebrate. That's all right. You just walk it out and you live it out. Let the haters hate. Kim and I go through this funny process every time I'm about to preach because uh, she always asks me, she goes, Drew, she goes, um, she goes, well, what, what, what you going to preach on? And I always try to tell her, but I can't tell her. I'm like, you know, I'm preaching on this thing on Joseph, and, you know, it, 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 I may come back to it time to time or whatever. And she goes, how in the world are you going to start a series that you can't pick up next week? I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm not communicating it right or whatever. And finally, I just get to the point that I just look at her every time I'm about to speak, and I say, just watch. I'm speaking on Joseph and destiny. Let me live it out in front of you for about 45 minutes to an hour, and then you'll get it. And I think some of us need to realize that. I think some of us need to, instead of trying to explain ourselves to others, we just live it out. Lisa, would you come up, please, real quick? As we close, I am... I am bringing this plane to a landing. The disappointment of destiny lies also in the expectation. 
You realize that Joseph, now that he had spoken his dreams out loud, that there was an expectation to fulfill it? I've seen expectations of destinies like that absolutely crush people. I've also seen people rise above it. Because once you speak that destiny, all of a sudden, you open yourself up to ridicule if you don't make it, questioning of yourself if you don't see it come to pass, or if it doesn't come to pass in your timing. And maybe there are some people in here who you've spoke about some things, about some ministries that you're supposed to be starting and, and uh, some things that God spoke to you very deep. And, and I think maybe there's a disappointment because you had that expectation and it just hasn't happened yet because we're waiting on God's timing and God's process and the expectation is beginning to kill you and crush you. And let me just encourage you by saying that when God gives a dream and a destiny, the expectation is never for you to fulfill it. Now, you have to walk in obedience. But the beautiful part is that when God gives a dream and a destiny to you, it's his job to fulfill it. His name is on the line, not yours. So, Drew, you've told me a lot about the disappointment and destiny. Thank you for telling me and pointing out where I'm at, but how do I get over it? I recognize the fact that Joseph had to deal with a lot of disappointments when it came to his destiny. I can, I can relate to him, Drew. I can relate to a couple of those points. Yes, that's great, but what do I do now? How did Joseph get over and manage his disappointment with his destiny. Three ways. The first thing, to help manage and to get over your disappointments with your destiny, the first way is to remember God's word. In those 22 years before Joseph saw his destiny come to fulfillment, don't you know that he had to go back over and over and over and over again to what God told him. There is something that happens in us when despite our feelings, despite our, our, our fear of abandonment, despite our insecurities, despite our hangups, despite our mistakes, there is something about being able to go back to our anchor point and realize and remind ourselves yet again what God spoke to us. Not just personally, but through his word as well. There are days that I have to wake up and before I get to work, I have to literally just remind myself through scriptures and what God's spoken to me about his word, about how he views me, about what he sees for my life. I have to rehearse it mentally over and over and over and over again. Some of you, you need to go back to what God told you. You need to go back to his word. You need to write it down. You need to hang it on your refrigerator. You need to, that thing that God spoke to you, you need to write it on your mirror in the bathroom. And when you wake up and you're getting dressed to go to work, you see it. You need to mentally rehearse every day. Make it a point. Set an alarm on your phone that to, twice a day or at lunchtime, you're going to go back to those things, his words about you, his scriptures about you, about his plans for you are good and for not harm, that his, uh, that his promises to you are yes and amen. You need to go back to those things over and over and over again. That is how you get over the disappointment. Not because your circumstances change, but because your perspective changes because of what you have your focus on. Because as long as you have your focus on your surroundings, you will not understand them. And the enemy will come and whisper things to you like, God is not going to come through. But when he does, if you are able to go back and remind yourself of God's word, you are able to say to yourself, to your doubts and insecurities, and say, oh, no, 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 no. You are telling me something that is not true because let me tell you what God has spoken over my life. And the reason why I know it is because I remind myself of it every single day. 
Not only do you need to remind you or to remember God's word, but to keep hope in your disappointment, you have to remember God's character. God spoke to you not because you're good or I'm good because we're not. God spoke to us because he's good and he wants to receive glory from our lives. The things and the promises that he has given to you, it's not so that we can just consume it and say, oh, great, thank you, God, or my life, look at this or whatever. But it's so, it's so that other people can see and say, how did you get to that point in your life? And you can say, has nothing to do with me. Let me tell you about the character of my God who spoke over my life and he came through. How many people, your testimony has been, let me tell you about how God came through. Let me tell you about how God came through. Let me tell you about how, how he won this battle. Let me tell you how he broke this chain. Let me tell you how he, how, how he helped me overcome. That is our testimony of God's faithfulness, not ours. Not ours. And so if you want hope in your discouragement and your disappointment, you have to remind yourself not only of his words but of his character. And here's the last one. How not to keep hope, or how to keep hope in your disappointment. You need to hold on to your tokens. You need to hold on to your tokens. Joseph was given a token by his father. He said it was an ornate robe. Maybe we've known it as the coat of many colors. And it's a token. It's a, and all a token is is a physical representation as a reminder of what God has for you. And don't you know that every day that Joseph woke up, he put that robe on, that coat of many colors, and that it was a reminder as he slipped it on. My father thinks I'm special, and this is the proof. My father thinks I'm loved, and this is the proof. My father cares for me. This is the proof. This is the token. We don't live for tokens. We live by God's word. But here's the truth. God will give you tokens. Maybe there are things in your life that you need to go back to and remember the tokens. Maybe there's a letter that someone sent you in the mail right out of the blue. Maybe there's an email that you haven't looked back in two years and you need to go back and revisit that because in the moment it was a token. Maybe there's, maybe there's a kind word or a voicemail that someone's given you and if you can't back, if you can't, you need to go back. You need to listen to it as a token. Maybe somebody handed you a Bible with an inscription on it or they gave you a gift and said, you know what, I don't understand, but God just wants me to give this to you as a token. We need to go back and remember those things. You know, last story and I'm done, but I'm going to go a little old school. Because before, before there were PS4s and Xbox 390s, and uh, I know it's a 360, don't judge me, right? Just making sure y'all are awake, right? Uh, actually, it's uh, Xbox One now, isn't it, right? Yep. And uh, before there were Nintendo DSs and all this stuff, right? Okay, right? Um, you know, I hate to say this, but back in my day, right? Uh, if we want to go play good video games, we actually had to go to the mall and we had to go to the arcade. And my mom would do this thing where she would, she'd drop me off, and uh, she'd go a little shopping and everything else, and hey, here's five bucks, go to Aladdin's Castle. How many people remember Aladdin's Castle? My dogs, yeah. So uh, I'd go to Aladdin's Castle with five bucks, right, and, I had, and, and it would give me tokens. I'd have these tokens in my pocket. And I remember those tokens, and it's funny how I, how, how I saved those tokens for the best games when I really needed them. Because there were games all over. Oh, but the best games, games like NBA Jam. He's on fire, right? Games like Street Fighter II, right? I didn't spend my time or my tokens going playing the pinball games. There were specific, special games that I would save my tokens for for when I really needed them, because if not, I'd waste all my tokens and I'd have to sit there and watch other people play until my mom came pick me up. Right? And I think that's so applicable to us. Some of you, you've got some big things. There's some things in your life that God wants to, God is speaking to. And 
Have you saved your tokens? For when you really need them, do you have your tokens? Now, the biggest token is God's Word. They'll give you other things because God longs to communicate His will to us. God longs to let us know what He's up to. Now, He'll do it in ways we don't understand. Can everybody to stand? Just as we close. More than anything, I want today to be an encouragement to you. Maybe you're here today and you find yourself going, you know, Drew, I needed to hear that. I've been disappointed. I've been a little discouraged. I need that reminder today. I don't want to keep you too late, so I'm not going to have anything lengthy, but I am going to pray for you. My prayer is that you would leave today with a renewed sense of God confidence. Just as, just as a slight show of surrender, if there was any part of today that spoke to you, would you mind just lifting your hand up real quick and just, God, I received that today. Amen. Amen. God will fulfill his destiny for you. Got to be open. Don't get discouraged. Don't lose heart. Father, I just thank you for today. God, I thank you that you're never done with us. I thank you, God, that you never let go. I thank you, God, that in our insecurities and weaknesses, God, I thank you and I praise you that you always use it just to grow us and mature us. God, what God speaks into the lives of his people and offers destiny and dreams and hope. God, your kindness to us is too much for words. And God, I just pray that today you would continue to seal in everyone's heart what you have spoken and that people would walk out of here with a renewed sense of hope, not in the dream, but in you. And may we sing your praises forever. In your name, amen.